another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? I'm doing good. It's been a long time. A, <laughs> a long week, time. One week. <laughs> a long time since we uh, since we had our our discussion, our debate, our fight. Our... About all great things. Number of the beast. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Also little Monty Python there. Oh yeah. I don't want Perhaps. to get into that again. The podcast that, that says knee. That will be I, the third uh that'll be the, the third, third we're not doing episode that. where we talked Absolutely about it. Absolutely not. Okay. Last time we talked about uh the history, the lead up for the band before. We even went into yeah. uh Paul We did Paul yeah. where he went we after and Samson yeah. and Bruce coming into yeah. the band. Samson the context, Bruce coming yeah. in. We even touched a little bit again on, on some of the, the demo stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um and then we talked about the tight period for writing, which we'll expand on in a minute, and you know the tight timeline for production, and how quickly Bruce integrated himself in the band on the tour at the end of the Killers tour, right. and then boom, very quickly into recording this this album. Yep. So we covered a lot last time. We did. But what we didn't cover a lot of was tracks. Right. So we're going to do a little bit on the writing. We're going to get back to the recording because that's something I right. really want. We'll to touch on the writing and the recording. Yeah. And the mixing and all and that. And then we'll get into the tracks. And then we'll get right into Children of the Damned. Exactly. Because we're trying to keep this at three episodes. And we've right. got special guest with us next time who's going to break it down. We're going to speak with him next week. Right. And um, get his perspective perspective on the album. And we're also going to reflect on the artwork and how the album was received. So this is going to be a good arc for a, an awesome album. So I'm pumped. Yep. I'm ready. Oh, it is an awesome album. Fired up. And we have the beer for it. Today, right. Because we have this awesome Gahan Brewing beer. That's Gahan. That's that's the one in uh, in PEI. Did yeah, they, did, it's in Prince Edward Island. Canada. Yeah. Did they change their name to PEI Brewing Company, or is that a different one? I'm not different. sure if they're the same or not. Yeah. So it, no, it's yeah, it says P- Prince Edward Island Brewing Company on the side. Okay. Yeah, because it, it was Gahan Brewery. Because I remember the. I remember when it first came. It was Gahan. Yeah. yeah it was actually a brew pub. Well, it oh, okay. is a brew pub in Charlton and Charlottetown. And uh, I go there, I've been there every time I go to Charlottetown. You, I mean, but this is old school. Like, they were doing really cool stuff 10 yep. years ago. Um, they had really good beer. I think the, the last time, I, the first time I was there was like 2005. So this one's a juicy IPA, 6% alcohol by volume, um, strong beer. It's a, it has some real uh, tropical uh, fruit juice taste. So you know I'm going to love this one. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. So this is the Snowbird Juicy IPA. Oh, Snowbird Juicy IPA, I guess. So. Yeah. I'm going to pour myself first on this one. Go for it. That smells excellently. Mmm. That'll smell good. Oh, wow, yeah. It's got those, what do you call them? Citronella hops. I'm not allowed to call them that. What are they? Citrus hops or? Citra. That is awesome. It's really good. Yeah, it's deadly. It's really good. <clears throat> Snowbird, because it's uh, we're in the mm. dead of winter here now. No, we didn't didn't do this fall that we said we we're gonna do a cabin cast. Oh, we never did it. Did we, we never did it this year. Well, we did spend time at the cabin. We Should did. we tell our listeners about your moose experience? Sure. I never mentioned it. Oh, we never did. Right. Okay, let me tell it because okay. I'm I'm a proud uh, because it was your first moose. Right. I'm proud. Make it snappy. I'll make it snappy. We're in the woods. We actually got to do some skidoo hunting. Right. Uh, this was. Yeah, we haven't talked about it on nope. the podcast. This was back in Early November. December. Late, De- late November. Late November. Yeah, because yeah. it was the... Yeah. Um, late November. We were caught up. It was getting late in the season. We were getting a little discouraged. Anyway, we were out tracking. Stayed out late in the day. We had a plan for the next morning because it's usually the best time. But we happened upon a big cow moose at the end of the day. You dispatched it very promptly. And we've got loads of moose now. That's true. i got a freezer full of moose now. That's so awesome. I have meat for the next year. 
<laughs> That's right. So any any of our listeners who want moose will just mail it in this big bloody <laughs> package will arrive. So we never did a cabin cast, unfortunately. We although we spent a fair bit of time at the cabin. And we spent a lot of time talking about doing a cabin cast, oh, but geez, we never did the it. worst. That's okay. Oh, we're actually no, no. We're in the cabin now, Nesbitt. Visualize it. <laughs> the listeners don't know. But uh yeah. So we're in the dead of winter now, so the snowbird juicy IPA. This is nice. Appropriate. Snowbirds being referenced to people that are Canadian that go down to uh Florida in the winter. That's right. Right on. All right. So last last uh, episode, we we touched on the writing a bit, basically on right. the short timeline, on the lack of Bruce's writing credits, on right. the fact that it's unbelievable that they could write some of these songs in the time window they claim. Right. So we basically, last episode, kind of threw around the idea that the Steve probably had a lot of these song ideas written and held back waiting for Bruce to be in the band. And then that's why this album, which has all these awesome songs on it, came, you know, came out so quickly. Yeah. So, because yeah, the first album, which is great, uh, Killers was basically leftovers from that era. If you look at set lists for Iron Maiden, there's before the first album came out, mm. uh, Ides of March, Wrathchild, Another Life, Drifter. They were all being played before the first album came out, and they all ended up on Killers. Purgatory goes back to 1977. But most of those songs from the first two albums were written over the same like period yeah and they kind of split them over two albums so they sound very similar i think that's a part of why this album they wrote all these new songs and new singer new songs not so much the sound of bruce but like writing for bruce's ability as opposed to paul yeah so these songs sound totally different yeah they do and paul and bruce didn't get any writing credits we went into this last yeah we talked about that but yeah. yeah, Children of the Dam, The Prisoner, Run to the Hills, and Gangland. He said in an interview that he had a very strong moral contribution to those okay. songs. He wasn't allowed to be credited because of his contract with Samson and, I don't know, legal stuff. Yeah. So. It's a funny perspective, eh? It's like, you know, you're on the album, you remember the band, but you, you still, you know, I tangibly, I, I wrote a part of this one. I remember it. It's yeah. funny that connection, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird that he, yeah. I don't know how that works. But. Yeah, individual ownership in a group setting, it's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. But uh, yeah, Paul kind of took them as far as they could as, with his abilities as a singer. And then they just needed Bruce to take them to that new level. Yeah. That level that Steve Harris really wanted to go to. That's right. So I think he was picturing this place that he wanted to take Maiden. Yeah. Knowing that Paul wouldn't get him there. Well, spoiler alert, but this got them there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it, whatever his vision was, it worked. So I have a quote here from Paul Diano. He says, I've always considered that Bruce didn't sing my songs as well as I did. But I have to admit that he was and still remains a gigantic singer, and there's no doubt that he was the best vocalist Iron Maiden could ever find. Bruce's softer, more operatic voice fitted perfectly with the direction Steve wanted to go. Nice. So that's Paul Diano. Yeah. Although there's also, there's also quotes from him on stage where he yells out that like he doesn't sing opera, and yeah. he also trashes Bruce sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's hot cold. Yeah, but that's like we always say. We say, Bruce is the best singing the Bruce stuff. Paul's the best singing the Paul stuff, and Blaze sounds the best singing the Blaze stuff. That's the way yeah. I feel anyway. Yeah, there's that ownership in the song too. It always yeah. feels like a cover. Yeah, you know, and and I think throughout, you know, we 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 touched back on this. We picked the Blaze songs and the Paul songs that yeah. Bruce's song. Yeah, and when Bruce play sings one of those songs, they they it feels more Maiden because you're so used to Bruce. Right, but still, like the early, especially yeah. like uh, Iron Maiden. That there's just it's so punchy it just doesn't yeah. fit yeah all those first play, two yeah. album songs like I think yeah. Paul they're Paul songs they're Paul songs and, then the and I also agree I get a lot of yeah. I get in big discussion with people about this but I think that Blaze's version of Sign of the Cross 
like Lord of the Flies, Klansmen, yeah. those era songs. I think his versions are the versions. Klansmen, Lord yeah. of the Flies, I'll give you. Yeah. Sign of the Cross, I really like when yeah. Bruce does it. I like Bruce's uh, the Lord of the Flies it. too. Yeah. But I think i got to take the Blaze versions. Although I do love the Bruce ones. Yeah, I guess I'm also biased too because Sign of the Cross we just saw in Legacy of the Beast. That's but, true. But yeah. the point... Being, oh no, he did, Bruce does an amazing, awesome version of it. Yeah. I'm not saying that Bruce's version isn't awesome. Yeah. I'm just saying I prefer the Blaze version. I know. But yeah. it's funny now that I've seen it live that almost like he's claimed the song in my Yeah. Mind. I can hear that's, that. Maybe that's perception on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, that's that's totally fair. So the writing yeah. then shifted this way. Yeah. And the Adrian, we mentioned last episode, the Adrian influence in the writing. He wasn't yeah. there for first killers. Well, his first there contributing as written. a writing. Yeah. Yeah. The first yeah. album that he's written. And he brought in like 22 Arcadia Avenue, which is, yeah. you know, an iconic song here. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he brought that in, so you know I mean direct. Uh, I I think that a direct influence on the way that they write. As a matter of fact, the album itself, with the exception of like Hollywood, is more or less that early Maiden, non epic length track, and even Hollywood, like yeah. you look at it, it's you know it's a heavy length song over seven minutes or so. Yeah, you almost think if it came in the in the later wave, it would have been like. 10 or 12 minutes you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah i think so too and that's yeah. something about that i wanted to get into when we get into the like recording and the mixing yeah, which talk about that we now. might as well get into right now yeah because yeah, as... i had a few takes on the last time there yeah and let me but you let just me... touched yeah. on how hallowood if it came out now would be like 10 yeah. or 12 minutes i wonder how much like martin birch produced this album yeah okay it was recorded january and february 1982 yeah martin birch produced it yeah. i would love to know how much input martin birch has as far as like arranging the songs and like giving them advice because when he left yeah that's when maiden's songs started to kind of sprawl in length yeah like longer than they should be like before with all the martin birch albums i don't think anyone would ever say like you should cut a minute or two of that song yeah like hallowed is perfect like a lot of these songs are perfect length for the amount of like material that's there for the song yeah and it seems like when he went there was no one there to... I'm not sure if he actually did this, but it seems like it. it like, at the time that he left, after that, that's when you get into the Maiden songs where, like, the, the chorus is there maybe two more times than it should be. Mm. Parts are stretched out just for the sake of... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you get into Virtual Eleven, like, there's some songs on there that a lot of people don't like, which I think if they kind of were edited down a little bit, yeah, that people would like them a lot better. Because there's some really solid songs on there, but some of them are stretched out, like... I don't know. I wonder wonder what that is, too. I I had a thought of this the other day. If you actually correlate or or look at when the tracks got really long, specifically in the the later stages, the length of an album was no longer constrained, was it? Like, I mean, I think these albums all run around the same length of time. Well, this one's 39 minutes. They could have gotten a little bit longer. Yeah, but I think they were, like, looking at just an album, and they're not really paying attention to it. And when CDs came out, I think that they did kind of say, like, we have this many minutes now that we can fill, and they kind of did try to fill. Yeah. Yeah. So that allowed him, but so on this before you you delve in a little more because I want to give you because I'm 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 willing to be change perspective on this because yeah. the last when we talked about it there's something about the the mixing or production here that I find a little bit off and I'll explain that to you okay because I went back and I was trying to find a few clips I was listening on my headphones actually today in prep for this I was, there's just a few things um, specifically like even right off the kick of the album I just find like in, in Invaders the baseline is awesome but it's just almost like it's almost too high. Uh, Children of the Dam. I feel like the vocals are damned. I don't, I don't know what it is, but Burton Birch, he, yeah. he he produced, he started in with Killers. Right. And he really 
totally cleaned up. Some people I remember have talked about like Iron Maiden, that first right. rough album. Yeah. Some people love that. And then he came in and brought this polish and this new level. Yeah. And that was awesome. But then in this album, and I'm look, I'm not knocking it because it's an amazing album and yeah. we're gonna go through all of it. But I just feel like there's just it feels like a little bit rushed to me. Or if I was explaining it, I would say there's a bit of the killer's grittiness, but maybe it doesn't fit. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, maybe. I can yeah. see that. So you're talking about the actual mix, not the mastering. I'm talking about just the way okay. the levels between okay. the stuff and how it's Because the mastering together. differs based on... Yeah, so how you listen. In case anyone yeah, doesn't know, mixing is like... You see people in front of the big mixing board. So you're yeah. like, you bring in the guitar. The, you're, you're adjusting the mix of the album, how loud yeah. certain tracks are, adding effects to stuff, like adding effects to guitars or doubling guitar tracks. Yeah. You know, bringing stuff in, bringing stuff out. And then you flatten that down to a stereo mix and then the mastering is like when you get like really loud you crush the dynamics you do whatever with okay. it yeah so based on if what release of number of the beast you can it like they're all mastered different that's right so, and then some of them those, those mastered for itunes ones those, those remasters that just came out like a couple yeah. months ago there's like a whole bunch of different cd releases and vinyl releases if you go on the internet and look at all the different releases yeah and they're all mastered differently and when people like have preferences for certain ones and you look and people are like, I only like the first pressing or I only like these castle CDs that yeah. came out, blah, 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 blah. But what you're talking about is the mixing. I'm talking about the mixing. And, and I'll, so you're I'll, talking about how loud yeah. things are in and, the mix. And I'll give you a, a like, and okay. look, this is, this is nitpick in the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Like I'm not, I don't want anyone to go, oh, Josh, I love this album. Like, but when I, when, when I, when we do this, we deep dive on the album. I've listened to this a bunch in the last few weeks. Yeah. I've been listening on vinyl. I've been listening to digital on my headphones and I've been loving it. And I even, and when we recorded our first session, I said like, there's something about the mixing that I don't get. Okay. And remember you checked my vinyl to make sure I had the original one and it seemed yeah. okay. And, um, if I was to sum it up, I would say this. If you sing Children of the Damned in your head, Bruce's vocals are so loud. And then if you listen to it on the album, it's not as loud. And I'm also skewed because I've seen it live. And but is that just what you're doing in your head? I Perhaps. But I, there's because just I know like that little you, things like that that just seem different to me. Super. Like 90% to the vocals. I do, big time. And so then when you hear it, if the vocals aren't loud enough, maybe it's not the way that maybe you that's it or something. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's personal preference but, too. But I've never had a problem with the mixing of this. I think yeah. Martin Birch albums are pretty much all, you know, pretty solidly mixed. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I would probably, no, I'll just step back and I'm like, yeah. Martin Birch, is, I mean, he's, he's, he's a legend. Yeah. And I'm here. I'm not, I'm not criticizing his work. I just felt when I delved into this, like this is an album I know inside and out. Yeah. And when I delved into it for this podcast, little things like that just started to stick out to me. Yeah. Not in a good way, more as an interesting way. Because, yeah. you know, maybe I get super into listening to things, trying to figure out what you're going to find. Well, I think there is a couple of songs. Because, yeah. like, I know there's a few spots on this album where there's a guitar solo. And I'm like, I wish the guitar solo was a little bit louder. Yeah. I know what you mean. It doesn't sound muddy, but it's just like... But yeah. that's preference, right? Like, I want to hear Adrian's guitar solo, like... But maybe and also in the face. maybe it's a step towards where they were going and they didn't yeah. want to move too far from Killers. I don't know. Maybe it was just even that aspect of it. Yeah. I don't know. I, the, but the two funny takeaways for me was that in this album overall was that that mix thing kind of felt funny as I started to listen to it a lot. Yeah. And I fell back a little bit Ronda Dales, which which we'll talk when we get to it. Well, it's so. funny because the story yeah. about uh, the mixing. So in Mick Wall's book, Rod Smallwood, you know how Rod Smallwood's like mm -hmm. push, 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 rush, 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 yeah. rush, rush, rush. Always. So he's rushing Martin Birch to mix the album and putting tons of pressure on him. And Martin Birch had two songs done. He had Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills. And Rod Smallwood booked this listening party for record executives. 
And basically, Martin Birch had to stay up all night for a couple of nights, mixing it in time for this event that Rod scheduled. And at this listening party, they play the album, and Steve Harris hears it, and he's like totally not happy with the mix. And he goes to Martin Birch, and he's like, how come these don't sound as good as like Beast and Run of the Hills, the rest of the album? And he tells them that like Rod Smallwood's like pressuring him, not giving him enough time. And that's one time when Steve Harris went to Rod Smallwood and like put his foot down and said, you can't do this anymore. So Rod Smallwood kind of stepped back and Martin Birch that took as much time as he needed and kind of remixed the album the way he wanted to. And they also banned uh, Rod Smallwood from the studio. Really? <laughs> They're like, they had like a sign on the door saying he's not allowed in. That's awesome. So if Steve hadn't gone up and stepped up and put his foot down, yeah, it wouldn't sound even as good as it sounds now. Okay. And that's typical of Rod Smallwood, right? He's like... Yeah. He's all with the money. He's all about getting it out. Well, Maiden wouldn't be Maiden without Rod Smallwood. No, that's I don't think. Right. He pushes and pushes. Yeah. And that's half of why they get where they want to go, him and Steve Harris. Yeah. But at the same time, it's putting a lot of pressure. And sometimes we've noted a lot that, like, especially the, with cover art and stuff like that, it's always one. stuff's in a rush. And yeah. maybe some artwork kind of suffers. I mean, we literally have studio albums with, like, demo artwork on them. Yeah, Dance of Death is like a... Yeah, Dance of Death was the one that was embarrassment. It is, yeah. <laughs> Great concept. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, this is... Uh, Martin Birch produced it. Nigel Hewitt Green was the second engineer on this album. And he went on, and he became actually the producer for the X Factor and Virtual Eleven. Yeah. So, they recorded in London's Battery Studios. Uh, that's where they did Killers. And, like, that was a pretty popular studio at the time. Like, Def Leppard, Samson, Pring Mantis, uh, Trust. Remember that band I said Clive yeah. and Nico were in? Who else? Thin Lizzy, White Snake, a whole bunch of bands. Like, it's a popular studio in London. So they recorded it and mixed it in five weeks. I read in another book that they did it in three and a half weeks. But yeah. everywhere it tends to say five weeks. So I'm going to go with five weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, that seems like a very short amount of time, but then again, it's forty minutes of music. You yeah, know, and it depends how prepped you are, how much yeah. you have to work it out. But they always—they've said multiple times you usually show up and you know ready to go. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of cool production things on here with like guitars and like vocal tracks with like effects on them and stuff. So mm. I don't know. It came out pretty cool, I think. You don't have a clip, do you? Uh, I do I have tons but I'll wait till we get into the songs to actually play those. I was gonna say there might be a clip later <laughs> for those listening. We may have a clip. There's also all these weird stories where this is like the number of the beast. Yeah. That uh, there's all these like strange occurrences in the studio, like lights turning off and on and equipment malfunctioning. There's like an interview with Dave Murray where he said like stuff like breaking down that normally wouldn't and weird. Someone got a repair bill for a van. Yeah, there's a story. Martin Birch got in a car. So it started out that he got in a car accident. Yeah. And when he got his car repaired, the bill came to 666 pounds. But then over retelling it, it turned into a bus accident. And it was a bus full of nuns. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how much. I think it actually happened. I don't know how accurate it is. I think it's one of those like, stories. 66 pounds back then is a lot of money. Yeah. And he, apparently he got the guy to change it up to 667 yeah. before he paid it. So <laughs> I don't know how much there's. I think there's a seed of truth to that, but I don't know how uh, how true that is. Or if that's just like. Maiden folklore, part of the legend of Iron Maiden. Six, six, seven, the total <laughs> on the bill. That would have been a great song. Oh man, you want to get into the tracks? Let's get into it. Well, okay. we did. We did um, Invaders. Invaders last, yeah. and then that was which I thought was a good bridge yeah. from Killers into this, and I also yeah. thought it was a good opener. Yeah, we both said that the chorus is kind of lame on it. Yeah, but That's I think cool. the rest of the song was a ten. I said it was a ten out of ten with like a six out of ten chorus. Yeah. 
Uh, my yeah. o- my only pushback on it is the chorus and the fact that you know if if you were to put the tr- if you picture someone like oh, with an Iron Maiden shirt on back in eight and they're like this is the first time I'm gonna hear the new Iron Maiden yeah Invader yeah but you're just thinking of the chorus think of the rest of it think of the drums think of Nico's pills think of solo the intros think of the machine gun intro and that riff where it comes in it's excellent yeah I think it's great I think people always talk about like get rid of invaders and you know. No, it is what it is. But man. people always talk about Invaders and how it's like weak. That's right. On on thing, and I'm like, all everyone that's listening to this, if you don't like Invaders, just go listen to it once. Listen to Clive's drumming. Listen to the solo. Try to listen to everything except for the chorus, because you tend to just remember the chorus. Yeah. When people say Invaders, and you're like, oh, you mean that song that goes like Invaders? Do 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 do. Yeah, that's right. It's so yeah. memorable. But like, listen to everything else. Yeah. And I bet your opinion of the song will come up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, track number two. Level. Love it. Yeah. Children of the Damned. Awesome track. So you're gonna laugh at this, but this is based on the movie Children of the Damned, which I watched last week. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did. This has uh, almost nothing to do with the movie Children of the Damned, except there's a little bit of like people staring and eyes and whatever. But I watched it just had it, yeah. had it there, and I was like, I'll just watch it because I've always wanted to watch it, and I tend to want to watch all these like maiden related things. Yeah. There's nothing really there about, like... I was expecting, like, an ending where, like... You know that part at the end where it's, like, melting his face, screaming in pain, peeling the skin from his... There's nothing like that in the movie. No. There's a bunch of children that have, like, telekinesis and they can, like, control people and, like, communicate telepathically. That's right. From all over the world and they come together. And anyway, they end up in this, like, abandoned church and there's a big standoff with the army. Yeah. At the end, they blow up... Oh, spoiler alert. If anyone's going to watch Children of the Damned. Yeah. <laughs> they blow up the church and that's it. But there's no, like, I thought there'd be, like, some kind of, like, guy getting, like, melted with flames and, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, like that really intense part in the lyrics. But I don't know that happens. So. Is it a good movie? No. <laughs> it's not Save like Children time. of the Corn is a remake of that, right? Yeah. No, Children of the Damned is, like, it's 19, I think, 64. Okay. It's black and white. It's really kind of slow-paced, which isn't bad. But I found the acting to be, like, you know those old-timey movies where people are, like... I don't know. It just seemed like ham-fisted acting. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's no Paul Rudd in there. So I don't know why they chose the Children of the Damned, other than that it's, it's a cool phrase. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I don't think this is a song about Children of the Damned. I think no. they just were like, hey, that's a cool name. Yeah. So I don't know if they even saw the movie, but... <laughs> this was on the Book of Souls tour, right? This was on the Book of Souls yeah, tour, yeah. But it got removed, didn't it? Wasn't it on, like, part of it? No, it was on the whole thing. down the whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So one of the things about the song is people always compare it to Black Sabbath's Children of the Sea from the Heaven and Hell al- album, okay. which is a Ronnie James Dio era album. There'll be no like Ozzy talk, don't worry. No, don't worry. <laughs> but it just kind of has a similar structure and vibe. It doesn't have much else in common other than it kind of has an acoustic part where it, and then it kicks in. Yeah. Um, and I always thought that people were just hearing Children of the Damned and Children of the Sea and kind of just putting it together in their head. And I was like, they're not that similar. But then Bruce Dickinson on a BBC radio show, he said, here's a quote. I suppose I have to fess up and say in large part, when we were writing the album Number of the Beast, we were listening to this particular album and paying close attention to this track in particular. Note the word children in the title. So, yeah, he kind of admitted that they were kind of inspired by this track. Time to get sued again. Well, no, it sounds nothing like it other than has children of the in it. But uh, I'll play a small clip of the Sabbath song just so you can kind of see. It does have a similar structure. As the misty morning 
rolls away to die Reaching for the stars, we blind the sky So, yeah, Ronnie James Dio. Awesome. Love Ronnie James Dio's voice. But it has the same structure. It's like a ballad that kicks into this, like, heavy mid-tempo jam. Mm. There's, like, a soft guitar pick part, and it kicks in. But, yeah. it, I mean, it doesn't really sound like... None of the notes are the same. The melody's not the same. It's just kind of inspired by it, I think. So. Yeah. I think this song, Children of the Damned, is kind of what they were going for with Remember Tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know it's kind saying. of the like the softer voice and the kick kick in for the for the yeah. or the softer verses and the kick in for the chorus, but like this is way beyond Remember Tomorrow, Children exactly. of the Damned, and I think Bruce. This is what Steve could write when he's not limited by Paul's vocal range. Exactly. Yeah, I would pro- I would put this as one of the two or three songs on the album that that showcase the vocal range. Yeah, and I think this yeah. is great. Well, I'll just play you a clip of his voice right now. it's cool it has this cool like dynamics of like the slow and mellow part and then the kick in you know what i mean and then you know it comes back up to the verses and then the last half of the song it goes into like super fast like rocking out which is yeah. pretty cool and this is uh it's not the first one on the the album but it's um adrian solo in here actually it's a far better solo for me than invaders but um do you have a clip of that i do the, yeah adrian solo on this is That's really awesome. great <laughs> awesome song i know whenever bruce starts singing in this he just want to like raise a fist and start like screaming out the words and that's, that's right. something that you didn't get so much from the first two albums yeah you know what i mean that's right you do sometimes like remember tomorrow and the songs like that on the first there are there are a lot of songs on the first ones that i want to sing along to but this one's one of those ones where you just like yeah it's like children of the damned you really want to like hit that note and scream it like yeah. when i'm driving in the car you yeah. crank it up and like scream these songs oh it's awesome Clearly. it is it is the it's the first you know, well, it's only the second track on the album, but it's the first epic Bruce vocals. Right. So I think the yeah. first track, Invaders, they hit you with this yeah. fast, thrashy, high-energy song. Yeah. Kind of a bridge from Killers. Then they immediately, and just kind of like show you that Bruce still has that like, you know, he can still rock out Killer style. That's right. Then they hit you with the song where it's like, here's what our singer can do. We showed you on Invaders that he can rock. Yeah. Now look at this. this is a, look what he can do now. Look what our new singer is all about. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Absolutely. And I love the way he like he puts so much more emotion into the singing compared to Paul. Like yeah. Paul's up there singing. I don't know. That's kind of like the punk vibe from him is kind of that what he has. But Bruce is so like emotive the way he says everything. Yeah. That he just like he puts through so much more emotion. He's more of a showman than like Paul Diano. Yeah. With this track, uh, where do you put it in terms of its visibility within the album, like outside? Like, because, you know, Hallowed is such a well known track. Obviously, Number of the Beast is an iconic song. Run the Hills was probably the first major single. It's so yeah. iconic. To me, you know, when you list those, you start to, but I always think of this song when I think of the album. Yeah, I do too. You know? I'm not sure if it's just because we're Maiden fans. Like, casual yeah. Maiden fans, I'd say, would know the song yeah i think so i think they would know most of this album. absolutely yeah so yeah i don't know and i mean when you hear bruce singing the song like when you hear the chorus once the children of the damn chorus yeah, you got it it's, yeah it's just like stuck yeah. in your head forever it's You're still awesome yeah. yeah so this is a great second track yeah. to really hit you with like your new singer's capability yeah. i love the uh the 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 bridge when he's like now it's burning his hands he's turning to laugh smiles as the flame sears his flesh yeah melting his face screaming in pain peeling the skin from his eyes watch him die according to plan he's dust on the ground what did we learn what did we learn (laughs) and besides being awesome lyrics that's an example of like bruce really putting a lot of emotion into the song Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. But one of my favorite parts is too is how like the riff goes after the chorus, how the chords kind of come in off beat. It's like yeah. Children of the Dam, dun 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 dun. dun, dun. It's yeah. such a cool riff. I love it. Yeah. Live on the Book of Souls tour. Amazing. This was one of the highlights of the set list. Me and you like mm, screamed our lungs out. Yeah. And uh, remember Bruce made that... I have a clip here. This is what Bruce said before. At the, This is the show we were at. Oh, not the French one. Yeah, no, this is the English. Uh, I have... Actually, I can see a sea of youthful faces. <laughs> and a sea of not-so-youthful faces. <laughs> I don't know if any of you are related to each other. But there's a strong possibility that many of you were not actually born uh, when this next song uh, was conceived of. I would like to think that seeing as we have so many, uh, dare I say, legacy members in the audience tonight, that one or two of you might actually have been in the middle of the act of procreation while we were conceiving of this next song. In any case, that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. We're going to do all kinds of stuff tonight from the Book of Souls and from a lot of other stuff, including this one. Incidentally, if you were happened to be shagging whilst we were writing this song, you are a children of the damned. It's classic. I, lo- I love the way he's, he's, <laughs> when he's talking to me, it was like, 
So, you know, if you're old, everyone's like, yeah, yeah we're my little hippie fans, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, God, that's so classic. These yeah. young people, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it's funny, though, because he's saying, like, basically, some of you maybe were conceived while you were mm-hmm. listening to this song. Listen, yeah, you are the children of the <laughs> If anyone was conceived, anyone listening to this, if you were conceived to this song, your parents are the coolest. <laughs> no, no, no. I would say the opposite. If your parents told you how you were conceived, you are uncool. I don't That's care true. what That's true. That is kind of creepy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never put so I had my socks on and I was plowing your mother. Yeah, and listening then, you to know, Maiden. I figure it was that time. Yeah. Oh my God. That's yeah. the worst. Can you imagine having that conversation? You know, yeah, son, yeah. son, when your father and your mother copulate, right. there's nothing wrong with it at all. Oh God. I put on invaders to get her in yeah. the mood again by the time Children yeah. of the Damned came on. Yeah, that's right. She was encouraging me and to that's... pull out with all that lyrics about kids, but I stuck it in. Holy God. And that's how you were conceived. Yeah, that's kind of gross about your parents telling you Actually, that. do you know how you were conceived? I have no idea and I don't want to know. Well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to give your mom a call. And just, look, we got a podcast bet. Yeah. You can tell me. Don't worry about it. Anyway. That's funny. Yeah, when we... <laughs> I remember he said... It's funny because he has these speeches that he says. Yeah. And he says them kind of almost the same way before everyone. So sure. this is the one, one of the ones we saw. And then I remember we saw him in Montreal. And he said the same yeah. thing. And it's like, uh, bonjour. Not great <laughs> French, but pretty, t- pretty okay French. At the time we were drunk, we were all like excited. We were like, yeah, me speaks French. He's so <laughs> yeah. cool. Then we listened to it on the playback. Yeah, I know. Classic. It was funny. Well, I remember, yeah, I remember both of us thinking, like, yeah. wow, his French is so awesome. And then you listen to, like, the playback of the concert, of the bootleg. You're like, God, his French is like, as Man. bad as mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe worse. So it's funny. I, uh, I don't know. That was funny. That was a good yeah. time. That was a highlight of the concert. I love, too, Adrian, he, when he plays that uh, intro part on the acoustic yeah. in the stand. Yeah. So he's playing the acoustic stuff. And then when it kicks in, he, like, has his guitar strapped on him. He steps back, yeah. rocks out, and then he goes back and forth between the acoustic and the electric, which is awesome. Adrian's just too cool. Yeah. And if you look at performances of this from like 2000 to 2007 to 2009, um, if you look at YouTube for like live performances of this, Adrian uh, had like a double neck guitar and he plays like the clean part on one neck and then the solo on the other one. It looks really, it just looks really cool. Yeah. Adrian rocking out on the double neck guitar. <laughs> you know, one of those guitars is like yeah. a double guitar. <laughs> I love that. Adrian always, every now and then, will whip out like a super cool guitar, which yeah. I love. Yeah. yeah this, this, anyway, this is just a great song, top to bottom. It's almost like two songs at once. You get that like ballad at the beginning, and then the last half just like goes off into like a falls out rock out. It's awesome. Cool. It's like Hallowed Be Thy Name. Starts yeah. off slow, kicks in, Infinite Dreams. We did Book of Souls yeah. in the Book of Souls episode. Book of Souls is like that too. It has like the two halves, and the second half is like the rock out part. That's right. So it's one of those songs, yeah. but it's uh. Definitely a Maiden classic. Oh man, I don't really have any criticisms at all. I've got none. It's it's hard to even talk about. It's just such an iconic song. Adrian's solo with all the the tapping in it. So awesome. Yeah, awesome. Did we play the solo? Yeah, we just did. did. Yeah. (laughs) Play it again. So good. Play this. Play it again. More, more. We want Paul. Yeah. So I think that's about. Um, uh, Yeah, that's. I don't have much else to say, but oh, I got uh, nothing else to say. Children of the Damned, except uh, yeah, it's a one hundred percent Steve Harris writing credit. Yeah. But I think uh, Bruce had was Bruce there in what in, in, in soul? <laughs> what do you have moral contribution and moral contribution? Yeah. What does that even mean? A moral contribution? How do you have a moral contribution? Children of the Dam? <laughs> they were kind of called Children of Hellfire, but I I said, well, that's not appropriate. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, yeah. fair enough. 
Moving on. Everybody agrees it's an amazing track. Yeah. Well, moving on. To Thank another you. amazing track. Yes. So Adrian Smith and Steve Harris, The Prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. Track number three. Yeah. Awesome. So you got Invaders. Yeah. Then you got Children of the Damned, which kind of slows it down a bit mm. for a little while to show off Bruce's voice. And then it just rocks out. And then boom, right into this, which is, I don't know, the song for me. Yeah. What's, what's the backstory on that intro? Like the wording? Like... So okay, so that's that's, from, yeah. okay, so this is from okay, you're laughing at those again, but this is from a show, The Prisoner, which I also watched. Oh god, <laughs> I watched most of season of the first. I think it's only one season. Yeah, that I know of. There might be more, but I didn't watch that many. I watched probably. Actually, you want to know exactly how many episodes of this I watched? I watched every single episode up until the episode where this quote actually comes from, which is around like episode six or seven. Yeah, and then I stopped watching. <laughs> I basically just watched it because of the Maiden content. But it's it's a pretty good show. Um, so this is the actual quote from the TV show. Because I took this from the episode where they lifted this track from. Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> that's that's obscure i'm glad you got that um the background music they basically clipped the full thing because i remember when they were doing the the voiceover i was like they didn't record it it's a reference to something which is why i asked you and i, I waited for the podcast i didn't want to go off and google it and, yeah and uh the background they, i think they kept their background i'd have to listen to it but it seems like they kept that they put the clip straight in front of the track there's a funny story, actually. Um, the guy, Patrick McGowan, he's the main actor in this show. Well, I'll, the show is like, it's a science fiction-y type show. It's a Secret Service agent, and he quits his job and wakes up on this weird island. And it's a, it's got a village on it. I think it's an island. I don't know. It's a village, anyway, in the middle of nowhere. And Wouldn't the... he feel like an idiot if it was a peninsula? And he could have just walked the whole <laughs> an time. Isthmus. An isthmus. yeah. <laughs> but it has this village on it, and everyone's referred to by number. Yeah. And number one is the leader. And he wakes up and everyone calls him number six. And this is the whole thing. He's like, I'm not number six. I'm not a number. I'm a man. I'm a free man. So he's rejecting being labeled a number. And it's, the whole thing is he's trying to figure out how to get out of the village. I don't get into it, but there's these weird like, security things and whatever. Mm. I, I'm trying not to give spoilers because this is actually a show worth worth watching. It's worth watching? It's worth watching, so I'm not going like, to spoil it. Number six isn't too bad, though. I mean, yeah, not bad. <laughs> you know, you're six in charge. So they wanted to use the clip... From the beginning of this for the song. The actor that played the lead character in the show, Patrick McGowan, he owned all the rights to the show. So Rod Smallwood called him up on the phone and explained what they wanted to do. Yeah. And he basically called them up and he's like, there's this band called Iron Maiden when they want to use your clip. And so Patrick McGowan's like, a rock band, you say? And he hangs, waits for a second. He's like, do it. And he hangs up, which no. is just like his character on the show. No way. Yeah. So there's like no royalties. There's no nothing. He's just like, do it. Click. And, Rod and afterwards, Rod Smallwood's like uh, talking about how he's kind of nervous. 
Yeah. And the guys in Maiden were like, why are you so nervous? Like, you deal with rock stars all the time. And he's like, yeah, but you guys are just rock stars. This is like a real, actual artist. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No way. I can't remember what the exact quote is, but it was That's awesome. Funny. So that's where this whole clip comes from, from this show. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is actually kind of worth watching. It's kind of a cool show. Yeah. It's not great, but it's interesting. Well, it can't hurt for them, you know. Although, yeah. uh, and I guess it's in the title, The Prisoner Picks a Show. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Then the uh, the track, love the harmonies, love the drumming. What do you think of it? Oh, man, yeah. Drumming on the song is, insane. is just insane. It starts off with just Clive on the drums. Yeah. And a few cool fills. It's a really cool like groove to start off. I love Clive Burr's drumming in that and that riff with like the the groove that he gets into yeah. with the bass and the guitar. I actually have a clip of just the drums without the bass and the guitar. cool feel to it and clive he's like playing to the song he's not yeah. like totally overplaying it yeah that's a little bit of a criticism that i have sometimes when nico plays some yeah. of the older songs is he's a little bit too busy on stuff like yeah. i wouldn't th- i think nico would kind of throw some like symbol-y stuff in here and yeah. there where this is just a real cool simple groove that's not right. overplaying and yeah. just it's i don't know clive has such a cool like feel and sound to all the stuff he does yeah the way he's got his drums too in there too are awesome like yeah real, like, and know. then yeah adrian comes in the main verse riff yeah uh this is a total adrian sounding riff So when you listen to that riff too, with if you listen to it by just itself, yeah, because um, that sounds sort of Adriany, yeah, but like you can tell it's Adrian. Well, this is Adrian's writing credit or whatever. It is, yeah. This is Adrian's first writing credit as far as like chronologically on an album. This is the first time you hit the song. That's an Adrian writing credit. But when you listen to this riff by itself, it sounds it like screams Adrian Smith.
Yeah, it's very Adrian sounding, which is cool. And that's yeah. where you get Adrian starting to contribute to songwriting. That's right. You're starting to get these really like catchy kind of not poppy, but kind of like yeah. ear friendly hooky guitar parts. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. It, this kind of sounds very like two minutes to midnighty. Yeah, type of thing. And then a very manageable track, you know. It's, yeah. 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 It's it's his format. Now Harris has a writing credit as well, but Yeah. And speaking of Harris, like yeah. his bass playing on this is awesome. Yeah. So he's pl- like he plays his bass the way like a lead guitar player would mm. like play a riff. A lot of times he'll a bass player will like just play the root note and like sink in with a drummer. Yeah. But he's playing his bass guitar almost like how someone would play a guitar. Uh, like this is the the pre-chorus bass line. I love what he does yeah. his little riffs and he goes up the neck and plays these little high pitch. Yeah, when he, when he, yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's an interesting take on it, the way he drives like a rhythm guitar, because the um I had the opposite. I, I had the perspective that like one of the comments I was gonna make out of this was where it starts off with Clive so in sync. Yeah. You know, it's almost like I, I felt that now when when you play that clip, I, I, I come around to your opinion, but I felt like the two of them were so in tune. But I just, and they are they at the dominate. beginning. Yeah, they really are at the beginning. Yeah, yeah and they dominate so much of the song yeah. early on. I was just like, wow, this is like, you know, the rhythm section is so tight, and it's their third album, and then Clive goes like, you know, it just yeah. kind of feels like it's it's a weird, you know, there's no foreshadowing there yeah. at all. You don't expect you. They just seem so t- solid. Yeah. Well, they yeah. are really like a solid rhythm section. Yeah. And they are really in sync at the beginning, but then like Steve Harris, you know, he's not like playing to the drums. He's playing more to like the guitars and the riff. Yeah. And that whole like doodle 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 doodle, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's it cranks it's up really cool. That. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. And that's the pre- only the pre-chorus, right? You're not even into the chorus yeah. yet. Then you have so this is track number three. Yeah. And you have another example where they like beat you over the head with how awesome their new lead singer is. Yes. Not a prisoner. I'm a free man, and my blood is my own now. Don't care where the past was. I know where I'm going. Not a number. I'm a free man. Live my life where I want to. You better scratch me from your black book. Cause I'm running. That's just awesome, eh? That's awesome. So that's the part where, like, Martin Birch comes in. You can really hear, like, the double-tracked vocals, the harmonies, the echo, the effects. There's, like, a lot of reverb. And it just, it sounds awesome. Yeah. And when you pick the vocals out like that, like, you don't really notice that because there's so much going on in the song. Yeah. But, like, that's awesome. You had me at isolated Bruce vocals. (laughs) Yeah, I know, yeah. Oh, wow. That's deadly. So, it. yeah, it's just an awesome, awesome song. And we didn't even talk about the guitar solos. Yeah, I know. And 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 before we lead into that, because there's, yeah. there's a Murray and an Adrian solo in this one. Yeah, right? it's Adrian yeah. into Dave Murray. Yeah, yeah, Adrian into Murray. There's a bit of a pop feel in this song. Yeah, you know it is I mean? very catchy. It's got a very beat, catchy yeah. pop feel to it. So yeah. it's and it's very, like, yeah. I guess, is this 
major key. It sounds very like it doesn't have that dark like evil metal yeah. sound. It's very like yeah, not especially... happy sounding, but you know what I, I mean. Know. Yeah, it it definitely does. You know the the, the tone of it. The prisoner is fun, Let's but the whole up. thing with yeah. the theme of like I'm not a num- number. I'm a free man yeah. from the from the quote at the beginning. Yeah, the sound and the mood of the song yeah. is all about like you know yeah. I'm a free man yeah. and yeah. it's like it fits the lyrics. It the does. feel and the and the lyrics kind of all go together, which is cool. It does. Although, yeah. you know, if we were to pull a theme out again, you know, <laughs> the puppet master on the cover and all that stuff, and, you know, we don't have time to go down the theme path, but like, you know, the prisoner, the damned, the beast, yeah. hallowed and the, the sequence there. And there's a lot of negative, but it doesn't have a negative feel in the album. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like this. It's very uplifting. Yeah, it is uplifting. That's the word yeah. I was trying to think of. Yeah. So a good example here now of Adrian. Uh, written song, of course. Whenever he, whenever he was writing, there's always an awesome Adrian solo. But he he leads into he leads into Moreno. Let's tee that up. So it's funny earlier talking about like the mixing of the album. Yeah. Because this is one of those solos that I always say I wish was like jacked up in the mix a bit more. Yeah. And when you hear it isolated, it's, like that. it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. No the, question. And the more I listen to this kind of stuff, the more I like, if I couldn't like Adrian Smith more, yeah. when you hear this and you really hear what he's playing, and Dave too, like, I don't know. You finally become a fan. As we of go Adrian through these, uh, yeah. As we go through these, these episodes where we yeah. cover albums, I'm just like I'm getting sure. more and more like of a Maiden fan. As yeah. if I wasn't like huge already. <laughs> I'm gonna be great a second. So when I saw Maiden in 2012 on the yeah. Maiden England tour, they played this song live, and Bruce sounded like crazy, crazy good on it. Um, this is a clip from the actual Montreal show that I saw them at. In 2012. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so he sounded awesome live doing it. But Bruce, yeah. In the, the 2000 era Bruce, he always sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, it just amazes me. Yeah. I mean, I sit here, you know, it's funny. You sit back on these albums, you want to, you want to have a t- it's just amazing. I mean, that's oh, literally yeah. 2012. We just saw them. Yeah. And we're, we're rehashing an album that's, what's the number of the beast? 80, 83. 82. 82. Yeah. 82. Recorded late 82. Yeah. And then released right out. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. You sit back oh, there. Yeah. You know? Leafs Minute. I'm calling it a 20 oh, seconds Leafs okay. interjection. I was watching last night and like, just awesome some awesome stuff is going on anyway they're like oh yeah he was born in 96 and he was born in 97 and you realize these guys are like superstars and I won't get into the least we'll save that for okay. a future episode however um, 
you know, that's 83, they were making this music and they're still that good now. What a, what a, what a window. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, all these songs are just awesome. There's a reason that Number of the Beast is, like, their best-selling and most well-known album. Like, this album's just, like, crazy. Ooh, most well-known? Oh, we'll have that debate. We'll have that debate after. Is it? Yeah. So the next song is the oldest song, yeah. 22 Acacia Avenue, Steve Harris and Adrian Smith. It's the only one they admittedly had before they started the recording session. That's the only one they admittedly had, yes. Admittedly had. So this goes right back to... Uh, yeah, the urchin days. The urchin days with Adrian. Yeah. So when we were in England last August for seeing Maiden a few times on Legacy of the Beast tour, yeah, uh, I was discussing, remember we were going to go to Acacia Avenue and get our picture taken with a sign or whatever? Yeah. But then did. I realized there was like nine Acacia Avenues. So Acacia in London. So they're like Acacia Avenue, I think they just used because it's a very generic kind of yeah. London street name. So it's kind of like just using like, you know, if I said... You know, yeah. 22 Main Street. Yeah, or Springfield, USA. Exactly. The same reason yeah. they use Springfield on The Simpsons, because yeah. it's like a every... Yeah, every town, town whatever, yeah. Yeah. So, but this is the second song about Charlotte the Harlot. Yeah, that's right. So there's the Charlotte the Harlot saga. There's like, Charlotte the Harlot, 22 Acacia Avenue. Yeah. Where he says, like, Charlotte, can't you get out from all this madness? Yeah. Here to Eternity. Yeah. There's like, the Beast and Charlotte, we were two of a kind. Yeah. Hooks in You, too, they throw in there. Yes. Because he says, I have a key to the view... At number 22. Yeah. I think they just kind of threw that in there to tie it in. But that's yeah. that's maybe loosely tied into the, this whole Charlotte thing. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I posted something in one of the Maiden forums. Um, Charlotte the Harlot came out in 1980. He says, you charge them a fiver only for starters and 10 for the main course. So yeah. she's charging 10 pounds. 22 Acacia Avenue, two years later, says, if you're looking for a good time, prepare to play, pay the price. 15 quid is all she asked for. Everyone's got their advice. So yeah. in two years, she went from 10 pounds to 15 pounds. So she must be getting like more experience yeah. and more skill. And she did you work it out rate. with inflation? I think we already did this I did. podcast way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. You had like some chart that you worked it out. I worked it out in today's dollars. In hindsight, it was a lot of And it was like she, she raised her, yeah. her fees by 50%, but she was yeah. only making like 12% more in equivalent today dollars based yeah. on inflation <laughs> i know that's a lot of attention paid to the intergenerational i know i'm kind of doing it for, for a joke <laughs> I know. I know. but anyway paul diano claims that doug sampson and him knew her and that she actually lived on acacia avenue in east london wow but then i read another interview with paul diano where he says the song i have a quote from that interview here and he says the song says that she lived on acacia avenue it's actually mark house road just before you get into Leighton, because that's where i lived Wow. So he's contradicting himself again, yeah. like he always does. I think he just kind of makes stuff up on the fly. So I don't know. These are Paul Diano quotes, so I don't know. Yeah. There's something about this song where it's like not really a super serious song in my mind because of the theme. Yeah, it's but kind it, of... Yeah. I love it. It's just yeah, iconic it's Maiden. Right? It's also the street on the cover of Somewhere in Time where Eddie just like blew that guy away, the cyborg. Yeah, game. but the... Because the, there's a sign that says Acacia Avenue on that yeah, but city Isn't state. that the cover album? That, like, they, they have like 10 other references. In yeah, there. but it's like set in yeah. a futuristic city and there's a street sign that says Acacia Avenue. Wow. So I don't know yeah. if that's supposed to be like futuristic London new on new Acacia York. Avenue. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, new London town. New London town. <laughs> so this is an Adrian song. Yep. With help from Steve Harris. Mm. So in that Run to the Hills by Mick Wall book, I got a quote from Adrian. He says, I wrote that when I was 18, but I ended up working on it over a period of years with various different lineups I had in the band. But it was weird how it came to end up as a Maiden song. Urchin did a gig in the local park where we played 22 Acacia Avenue. 
and it probably sounded completely different than the version we would later do in Maiden, but the weird thing was Steve Harris was at the gig. I didn't even know him then, but he remembered it when I joined the band years later. Wow. But, uh, anyway, this started off as a urchin song. Yeah. Uh, that's what Adrian's talking about in that quote, but it wasn't called 22 Acacia Avenue back then, so Adrian's wrong about his own song. <laughs> it's actually an urchin song called Countdown. So I have a clip of the urchin song that this song is based on. some similarities there how are you saying that's the same song because i didn't hear it in the lyrics okay so it's mostly the riff that they're playing yeah so i also have a clip here of the urchin riff and the acacia avenue riff and then i have the acacia avenue riff slowed down to the same tempo okay and you can then you can kind of hear the similarity so this is urchin and maiden it's adrian and urchin and adrian and maiden the riffs change so that they're both the same speed why am I here in all this madness? And I have to be only just like me. kind of hear it's the same guitar riff i have another quote here from steve harris and he says we maidenized it with all the time changes and this and that so i read that quote and i love that he used the word maidenized because i use that word all the time when i'm talking about what he does he takes the other guy's songs and like maidenizes them but when i saw this quote and i was like oh he said the word maidenized his lawyer is (laughs) strictly prohibiting him from ever using that word again but it just shows what an influence steve harris can make yeah to go from that into 22 acacia avenue yeah. He took it and rewrote it. Well, same thing when we looked at Invasion into Invaders. Yeah. Like, he can really rework stuff and make them awesome. It's, it's so funny. And, you know, I don't want to digress now late in the, in, the, in the episode, but you see this a lot in art where people are like, oh, that's a cool little thing. I'll put that on the shelf. That's a cool little thing. I'll put that on the shelf. And then the future comes together for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you see that a lot with cooking and with chef shows. Now you watch it and they're like, oh, you know, if I do this to an egg, it congeals this way. I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet, but I'll use that at some stage. And just like, it's so neat that yeah. like, I'm not an artist. Yeah. So that process, you know, it's cool. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you're an artist, you're probably always yeah. in the back of your head seeing things and like yeah. tucking them away and then they pop out. Cause he, he, and maybe you don't yeah. even know where it came from, but you kind of, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> I just love that. It's like, uh, do you remember that song you're playing in a park? Yeah. Let's speed it up and talk about a hooker yeah. <laughs> yeah. genius right a harlot yeah a harlot i love it. it's like charlotte the harlot it's like you know we actually knew her she's right there in front of you like we're gonna write a song about you charlotte the harlot well my name is charlotte jones no the harlot you are <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty cool though yeah it goes from like that kind of rock song which i really do like the urchin song i'm a big urchin fan so yeah i like the original 22 acacia avenue is like 
I think it's a step up from the original one. It t- yeah. it's like goes from like being a simple rock song with a simple structure to being like like we said maidenized. Well, I mean, I only cool. know that clip you just played. Yeah. From my perspective, it's an obvious step up, but yeah, that's yeah. cool. I love. Okay, so it starts off with a palm muted intro. Yeah. Which is very like metal sounding, and it's got this like Clive with these like machine gun beats. That's a good. That's a t- term I use for it. But this sounds very like metal. <laughs> Depressed and lonely. I know a place where we can go. Go, go. Twenty two Acacia Avenue. Oh man, the vocals there and they kick in. Yeah. So yeah. that part at the end where it goes do no no no. That's the part that, from the urchin song yeah. that I recognize. Uh, another yeah. another prime example of drums that are perfect and not overplayed. Exactly, not overplayed. Not just overplayed. like you said, yeah. yeah. So this is another one where I have a feeling if like, yeah. if Nico, Nico played, he'd kind of, he, I don't know. Yeah. He has his own style. Yeah. It's not that he's overplaying, it's just he's playing it with a different style. Man. And you're so used to this one. Yeah. But I love Clive's, like, it's snappy, it's yeah. right on the beat. It's He has a cool, like, uh, swing to his, like, drumming. Yeah. And it's like something that I always say, Steven Adler from Guns N' Roses has. Yeah. Which is kind of it gives them this like swing, right? Like it just yeah. it has this cool like rock and roll. He's also feel really to it. comfortable. A lot of drummers, you know, um, or at least you know, my perspective on it is they're not comfortable with a lot of silence. They like to keep going. Yeah. Right? Whereas he uses silence amazingly. Like he's just yeah, he's got he this totally real. Does. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to do that as a drummer. Like the like some of the worst drummers are just these high tempo drummers because they're just on crack all the time. They're just yeah. and that's crazy. a lot of what kind of turns me off yeah. to a lot of the modern metal with the double kick yeah. and that those blast beats and stuff i'm like let the song like breathe a little bit yeah you know and that's what clive does here is just like bump bump and then if you watch him playing it live yeah he's just standing there not hitting anything that's right he doesn't feel the need to have to be like you know what i mean that's right and these people that that just do that they just hammer away the drum kit and then they just mix it down or they turn them down on live yeah and then they're just this noise background yeah it and fits some songs it fits like the Judas yeah. Priest Painkiller album yeah. has drums like that but fits those songs and for some reason I like those and not other I don't know I don't know why I like some and don't like some but like Clive's drumming like I said it lets the songs breathe it's like there's some space there just I don't know I just love it's, it this album reviewing this now has given me a good perspective on that that I'm now looking forward to we talked about that drumming episode we're gonna yeah. get to that yeah and we've reached out to some drummers. We have some people lined up. Now. Yeah, we might get a few drummers to come in yeah. and do the Clive versus Nico kind of. Yeah, still yeah. many weeks in. We'll, get, we'll like, put Doug a, Sampson and yeah. Thunderstick into. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But I put that on the on the on the shelf for a while. But we gotta start yeah. thinking about that again. Even when he's not just kind of playing these sparse parts. Yeah. Like the drumming. Listen to the drumming in this middle section, and listen to the fills that he does in this section. I mean that song you can't help but like bob your head because it has a good swing to it like he's just i don't know he, yeah. he has this feel that i just love on that song yeah it's yeah. awesome yeah another yeah. thing i wanted to bring up one last clip i have for this is dave murray every now and then he'll slow right down and do the super bluesy blues guitar solo and this is mm-hmm. just an awesome one it sounds like dave 
Murray's guitar is like melting when he's playing this. It's just awesome. Dave Murray like does these yeah. bluesy guitar solos and it slows it right down yeah like these are my favorite Dave Murray solos yeah. are these ones when he slows down and does this and he does it in a couple other tracks too yeah but like I do like his solos too his like really fast ones where he's like going all over the place like these yeah. really smooth like runs up and down the keyboard and stuff but this one I think this is his one of his strengths that he should use more often yeah. or maybe I like it so much because he doesn't use it so often yeah. but it's less this is awesome. That's, I think that's one of his best solos. That's awesome. He slows it right down to and then the so song picks up again after. It, yeah. 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 It's a load of feel. It's awesome. Yeah. He's deadly. He's deadly. Adrian also has a, it's an Adrian tune. Yeah. So you know, it's, he has a solo. It's a little one yeah, later towards on. The end, yeah. Towards the end. But that's awesome. I love this track. Um, played live much? Yeah. So when they, oh yeah. So yeah. there's, some, I have a, a few funny stories about yeah. the song when they did it live. Yeah. So they used to do it live. Um, in the live Hammersmith video, you can yeah. see this on YouTube. So when they do this song, they had a girl come out in like lingerie and leather, and she's like strut around and like dance around. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah like, that's kick right. Her feet up and stuff, which is yeah. kind of cheesy, but it's kind of funny. Also awesome. Yeah, it's kind of funny, and that was kind of like more like yeah. theatrics to go with the song. Oh, like, God. and you'd see where they came from from that too. Like the well, they had the walk on Eddies and her. And now we have like inflatable Spitfires and giant beasts and <laughs> yeah. you know what Warn, I mean? warning millennials, this show involves high heels and, it does. and, and stereotypes. Speaking of more high heels and stereotypes yeah. and warnings for millennials. Um, the Miss Metal incident. Have you heard about this? No. So according to Wikipedia, this is what the Wikipedia story. Nineteen eighty three Indianapolis World Peace Tour. They had this contest at a local radio station and the winner got crowned Miss Metal. And got to come on stage for 22 Acacia Avenue and dance around in a bikini. And at the end of the song, Bruce snatched her bikini off. Her bikini top off. No. And he got arrested after the concert for it. So that's the story. But I did a bit more digging online. Doesn't seem so like you know how I'm always talking about these like deep dives? Yeah. So I went on newspapers.com, the world's largest online newspaper archive. <laughs> and I found an old newspaper from 1983, the Democrat and Chronicle from Rochester, New York, September 1st, 1983. And the woman's name was Suzette Colaga, and it wasn't Indianapolis at all. It was Buffalo Memorial Stadium in Buffalo, New York, August 15th, 1983, and she filed a $350,000 lawsuit. So the, this is a quote from the article. It said, The suit filed in state Supreme Court seeks 150000 in general damages against the English band, singer Bruce Dickinson, and the management firm. American Talent International of New York, plus 200000 in punitive damages against Dickinson. Wow. And if you look up pictures of it, it wasn't a bikini. It was like a one-piece bathing suit. So I guess he like pulled her top down. And you can see pictures online of her, like not topless, but you can see pictures of her like strutting around on the stage. So wow. it actually did happen. That's horrible. And they settled out of course, court. So yeah. yeah, not very classy, Bruce. Not very classy <laughs> at all. Not only that, I always hear like, oh, millennials watch out. Like 
No, that's not that's not cool. That's not cool at all. No, no. that's not cool yeah. at all. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I guess maybe he got caught up in the spirit of the song and yeah, yeah, it was like. Well, it, it? it wasn't an actual heartlet. It was like this poor model who was like I know, but not only that, humiliated was... in front of the crowd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe he was like couldn't tell if it was real or just some crazy dream. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that, look, that's not that's not cool at all. No, not, not cool at all. I know, that, but, but you know, <laughs> beat her, mistreat her, do anything you please, bite her, excite her, make her get down on her knees, abuse her, misuse her. I mean, these these lyrics. I, I don't know. know. Yeah. In the hashtag Me Too era, Nes, but I don't know. I know. It's not very, I don't know. Uh, We're going to have to pan this song. Yeah. yeah Hopefully she got a nice settlement out of court and she feels really good. Yeah, well, they did settle out of court. I don't know what they settled for, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> it's a little... Uh, bit of a downer on the that song. That's a dark downer. But now, uh, to go from that, which is like a... Uh, a not so great story about the song to another story which is actually uh, pretty funny. Arma d'Italia, Italy, August 22nd, 1984. So I read online in a forum from someone who was actually there because there's a bunch of different dates thrown around for when this happened. But this is the, that was the actual date that this happened. So they did Acacia Avenue and for some reason Bruce changed all the lyrics to be able to cheese shop. So it's a world slavery tour. And uh, remember how he when we did Power Slave, we talked about how like Bruce got like burnt out from the road. Well, people all say that like he was like totally burnt out and he was just like going crazy like, from the pressure, and that's why this happened. Yeah. But then I looked up the date of the of the show this happened, and I looked up the tour dates, and this is only the uh, I think it's the tenth or the eleventh date of the tour. Yeah, at about so, what one hundred ninety. Right? Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why this happened, like yeah. or why he did this. Like it's weird. I'll play the clip first, and then I'll, if you can't quite hear what he's saying, I'll tell you what he says. goes on and on but he's basically saying if you're feeling down depressed and lonely i know a place where you can go 22 acacia avenue meet a lady that i know so anytime you're at the cheese shop don't you wait to buy some cheese you can take my honest word for it wensleydale is all she's got if you're waiting for a long time for the rest to buy their cheese you can bet you there's some stilton waiting for the pies and cream oh my god <laughs> yeah but where, where was he playing in italy malaga the home of uh <laughs> yeah i don't know i, I think know. It, i also read that he was playing to this audience who wasn't really into the band at all yeah and they weren't really paying attention and he was just kind of like yeah making fun yeah. of them yeah sort of and then like i got another quick clip of this too where he says like i don't know and then it's a beat it mistreat it whip it a bit in an egg <laughs> scrambled bake it fry it and put it on bread abuse it misuse it cheese can take all that you've got Caress it, molest it. It always does what you want. So it's, I don't know why he, he left, did this. Left out, grade it. He did leave out, grade it. Oh, it's obvious. Poach it. Twenty-two. The avenue. That's the place 
yeah, I don't understand why. Uh... Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. But it's, I like it. <laughs> it's, better, it's better than changing the lyrics for the Chinese government. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? true. But then again, it can also be a way to take the take the make out of the yeah. Italians, you know. But I think he was yeah like making fun of the audience who wasn't paying attention. Yeah, those Italians. <laughs> you know. So uh, anyway, we yeah. are gone way over an hour. Well, we're again. a little over on time. We, yeah. we wanted to do. We got a special guest, and we got a load to cover, and we still got a yeah. lot more tracks. Our three-parter goal it might, might turn into a four-parter. Yeah, yeah. we just go with the flow. Too. We don't we don't prep yeah. it too much. Yeah. Well, these yeah. songs like there's a lot to talk about because this is yeah. a really cool era of Maiden with the new singer. You know what I mean? And it, totally. it's like Maiden making the step yeah. from their past into the new. But I mean, with Number of the Beast, Run to the Hills, you know, yeah. the lesser known and therefore much to talk about Gangland and Hello, you know, Be That Name, which is yeah. probably my favorite. Don't forget Total Eclipse. Total Eclipse. Yeah. yeah um, which we'll also have a debate about if it's even part of this album. Right. And then, yeah, it's going to take time. Because we can't yeah. rush these tracks. Nope. No, we can't. We can't. So, so we wrap it there. Wrap it Reflection here. on the beer real quick. Really, really good. Amazing. Yeah. i got to be honest. I finished this in the first half pretty quick. Yeah, I was. It was uh, amazing. I'm out now. On this. Yeah. Super juicy. Loved it. Gahan Snowbird Juicy IPA from Prince Edward Island. Yeah, I'll add the it to the beers. Talkingmaiden.com slash beers. Yeah, the best thing coming out of PEI that's not in potato form. Right there. <laughs> not to knock PEI, I love it. Um, great potatoes though too. Alright, uh, get us to talkingmaiden.com. Send us an email. Uh, rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. Um, and until next time, I'll die and see how it goes.